Somebody quickly look up what kind of holiday it's going to be this Wednesday. <laughs> what weird holiday? What weird holiday yeah. it's going to be this Wednesday? And then we'll just like intro it as if it was a normal episode. Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Wednesday, February twenty eighth. Today is National Sleeping in Public Day. Yeah, let's I believe. Call it that. Let's call it that. With me, as always, are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. Happy to be here. All right, how's it going? So this episode might sound a little weird, and that's because it was kind of done impromptu at WorkbenchCon. Yeah. Tell us a public sleeping story, Ben. So uh, when I was in grad school, I finagled a uh, a travel grant to go to Japan for like two months uh, with one of my one of my best friends, and we had to write these like thirty page really extensive uh, research agendas for how we were going to use Cornell's money to like better the world. I think I was trying to study sustainability across different cultural periods in a place that had like limited growth because of the island and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Basically, we used it as a cow money and just got hammered for like... Yeah. <laughs> and we worked for two days to make sure Cornell was okay with so, it. So, there's this place in Japan called Rapungi, which would be just like, we're all, in Tokyo, it's like we're like all the, the nightclubs and there's a lot of foreigners and westerners and we didn't spend that much time there. But one of the nights that uh, we did is my my friend ran into these really hot Russian girls, and so we were hanging out with them. I think somehow uh, we ended up getting the wrong drinks that had like ecstasy or something in them. <laughs> so I was like so against it at the time, but I really wasn't planning on taking it. Right, you would have <laughs> liked to have known. We had also had just like a ton of drinks, um, and we just ended up in all kinds of weird places. Uh, hanging out with these all these like crazy Russian people, uh, went to a million sort of weird clubs, and in Japan, like weird clubs is really, really weird. Really, really uh, weird. And at some point, I just blacked out. And uh, I remember waking up, and uh, I was looking up, and I was lying like on my back on the sidewalk, <laughs> and it was rush hour, so it was just like people walking just. All yeah, and they're just not even surprised by it. But no one's bumping into you. Yeah, no one. It was like so light, so it was like a completely dense street. But they like, it's like if like a whole bunch of ants were like walking by like a rock, they would just like park right around it, like perfectly cleanly. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the worst hangovers I've ever had. And uh, but a good story like in public, and no one bothered me. My wallet was in my pocket. Everything. Wow. Yeah. Best sleep you had in a long time. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, all, it all worked out pretty well. Woke up tucked into the sidewalk. I will know this is probably about I don't know, like fourteen years ago. Yeah. Years ago. Okay. Was a waste. Cool. Nice. So I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but we're just going to do some Q and A, I guess. So let's just kick it off. Who's got a Q? That we can A. <laughs> okay. Johnny. Yeah, something I've been talking to uh, Mike here about uh-huh. a little bit is um, the value, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it, the value of just getting a video out there every week and just trying to get that content out there versus stepping back a little bit and really trying to, to hit a home run. And yeah. Well, the ladder. Yeah, this was something me and Chris were talking about with a few people last night. And Chris had some good points, so I'd say you should go for it. Okay, well, the way the thing, I don't remember what my points were, but to let it pop back. <laughs> he had one too many O'Doul's. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I had a sniff of O'Doul's that Mike bought me as a joke, and 
the rest of the night was a blur. Woke up in, in uh, <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> on the sidewalk. I know. I saw no, but, uh, and he had a Yeah, I think, oh okay, in the beginning, I think it's good to get like a nice base of videos. Once that's done, I say go for home runs. The weird part of that, though, so the part that makes it hard for me to do that personally right now, and probably for these guys too, is sponsorship opportunities. So right. it's really hard once you get to a point where now you have those sponsorship opportunities coming in that you've worked so hard to get to that point, and now you're just going to be like, nope, I'm only going to do a video a month, and I want it to be really big. Yeah. So I, But I do believe that if you focused on that, you probably would end up better off in the long run that's given that you have the ability to make those home run videos that are going to perform really well My yeah and, correlation not causation directly exactly so whenever i was quitting uh my job and dropping out of school to do youtube full-time i was doing uh, painting classes oh, so that's right that's so funny yeah taking them no teaching oh. and like assisting and stuff um so i was probably around 10,000 subscribers at the time. It was just enough for me to think like, oh, I think I can do this. And probably enough where I probably realistically probably shouldn't have, but thank God it worked out. Um, and so once I was quitting, I said, okay, I'm doing this weekly. At my, at my time, the justification was that's what the algorithm likes. That's what everyone talks about, especially in the vlog space and entertainment space. But I think that's a little misguided, at least in, in what we're doing, because there's so much, there's the upside potential of things going viral, and then the majority of your videos stay at, you know, if your threshold, your normal video gets 50,000, that's what you can rely on. Three quarters to four fifths of those videos are probably gonna be that. It's the ones that really exceed potential are the ones that are gonna grow your channel and the ones that are gonna find your audience. And so when you're small, that's when you can define one, what type of audience you're getting. Instead of just pumping out a bunch of eh, videos, go do those crazy ones that can bring in an audience that are expecting cool things from you and unique things from you. But more than that, I think the consistency thing is when you're making YouTube videos, a lot of times it's you're just throwing things at the wall hoping something sticks, right? And so you have the ones that you think are great and the ones that are filler. You never know. That filler project might be the one that takes off. Mm -hmm. And so if you're making a video every week over the course of 10 weeks, those are 10 chances you have for one of those videos to stick. If you make three videos, you have three chances for one of those videos to stick. But what I would, what I would put the caveat on that conversation is if, you have, if you're a young channel and you're not, you don't have that audience expectation of a video a week or anything like that, don't skip on a killer idea so that you can make two videos in the time that you, it would have taken to make that one great video. Right. And actually just looking at Johnny's YouTube page personally, like you've got, how many videos do you have total now? Uh, I think 14. 14. And so you have, you have at least a good base of like a few good videos that if somebody, say you were to make this next video and it was a killer video. And so now people are going to go look at what else you have. There's at least a few good videos in there that they're going to connect with. And yeah. I think you're going to convert a lot of those people to subscribers. Whereas like if it's just out of the gate and that's the only thing you have, maybe you're not going to have as high of a conversion rate. So I think you're already at a point. You have a baseline of enough that like I would go if you have those good ideas that like you're sitting on because you want to do more. I'd say just do those good ideas. The, the safest answer we can tell you is, yeah, do a video a week. That's great because we have no idea what the video is going to be of. Uh, mm -hmm. 
the the more nuanced answer that's far more accurate is you have, but it's hard because you have to be objective about yourself, which is one of the most difficult things to do. Is you have to be realistic about how many good ideas do you have right now, and how and how many more are going to come every week. In my mind, I think it's good. so. Let's say you ha you have could do ten videos in a week if you really push it. I would argue it would probably be more effective in the long run to do the seven best of those videos, spend a little bit more time on editing, and a little bit more time of that, and a little bit less of flooding your channel with things that you're just doing just to be weekly mm -hmm. and pushing them all out. Yeah. Uh, I love David Picciuto, one of my buddies, but I would love to see him break his weekly uh, yeah. format. Yeah, they, especially when so he was doing two a week. Yeah. Totally. Oh my God, it's uh, insane. I think, dude, the coffee station is a perfect example. Right. Rules yeah. are, are great for organizing our lives, but they also sort of confine us and put us into sort of boxes. If you have a good idea that's two weeks and you don't do that to do a lesser idea that fits in your weekly format, you are completely undermining yourself. It's not about how many videos, it's not about how often the videos are, it's about how do you mind your own you, how, do you, how do you process ideas out of your own brain and pull the best, most interesting things and then communicate them in an enticing and intriguing way? Especially if you're in a pre-sponsor zone, yeah, who right. cares if you take three weeks off because you're not relying on that weekly sponsor to keep, like, so, keep the process alive. So for me, publishing a video schedule is the end of the thing, right? What you should be looking at is how do I, how do I farm myself and to get more ideas? <laughs> Uh, and that's, you should be looking at the beginning of the funnels, like how do I get more seeds, not how do I get more, you know, kernels of corn out of a limited number of, of plants. So I would be sort of looking at this like, you know, how much am I looking at Pinterest? How much am I looking at design magazines? How often am I going into uh, a, a furniture store that I wouldn't normally go into? Yeah. Have you ever been to like a restoration hardware or anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have that, but there's other stores, yeah. Uh, Anthropology. I think if you went to a restoration hardware, you would get like a ton of ideas totally. like yeah. right away, right? Go check out an IKEA, as, as weird as that sounds. It's like, oh, they do all these, they, you'll get a great sense of proportion, dimension, and stuff like that that's really been worked out. And you're like, hmm, I bet you that white lacquer thing would look really amazing in a sort of a wood version where I change this, add some welding here do some detail, but at least you'll get a really good sense of, of how well their designs are worked out proportionally and, and dimensions and functionality and those things. So, and they're only going to keep the things on the floor that are selling and performing well. So now you're also getting a good, basically, audience, like a demographic study just by seeing what, because they're only going to be putting out what's working. So you know if it's working for IKEA, that means people are at least looking for that kind of thing. It's really hard to describe what a better video for an individual person is versus a worse video for that individual person. And that's why when people give advice on YouTube, it's so often dictated on pace because that's measurable. We can say video a week, that worked for me. So I did that. And I've never done a video a week. There have been times where I've posted three videos a week. There's been times where I've posted one video a week. There's been times where I've gone a month without posting any videos. Yeah, this month. <laughs> All my growth has come with when I post videos that people really like. Yeah. There can be, in the last 10 videos I've posted, some of them do 10 times as many views as the other. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So that one, getting that one video out, no matter how long it took, the, the solar shed that outperformed a lot of my other videos by about seven or eight times. 
That took three weeks to make. That was worth the three weeks. If okay. I would have done two other crappy videos in that time and not done that, those three videos wouldn't have added up to the same performance as that one. Yeah. So the question is, how do you how do you put more ideas into your head, find more starting points for designs, make lists of those those ideas, evaluate them, and then execute on them. And don't do don't be too fast to pick your like to start the project too. Um, because we were talking in our talk about like find that thing that's like the twist or the grabbing point of a video. You may have a killer idea, but you don't have the like little twist on it. Think about it for a week. Now, the one thing that I but do, don't think too actively. You know what I mean? Just have it, and oftentimes something cool will come up about it. Yeah. Let me give you an example of how I, I tried to do both things. How okay. to both try and find an idea that I thought was unique, and then also try to be prolific and produce a lot of content. Right. So I knew that I wanted. I had the idea that I. So much wood, I want to incorporate a stone slab. So I went to the, the countertop yard and got all these really cool remnants of about 20 inches by about four or five feet. These beautiful slabs of slate, marble. So I got a green slate that's honed, a black slate that's honed, and a couple of Carrera marble. So hmm, I could do all these different islands with them, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the impulse of the idea was to do something with wood and a giant slab of stone. That's the idea. I have a good feeling that people will like that. The efficiency of trying to say, well, doing one of those, it's a new material, it's going to be cumbersome, it's pain to carry, you got to pick it up, it's a little bit more expensive than what I normally pay for materials, even though it's giving a remnant price. So the, the way I make that more efficient, even though I'm adding a new variable, is I'm going to get three of those stones, and I'm going to make a whole bunch of the same thing, but I'll slow, I won't release all those island videos at once, yeah. but now I have like four or five of them in the bank that I made over a two-week period. And they can all feed each other. One right. is a related video for the next. So I'll feed one to dwell, I'll give one, a couple for my, my thing, and I'll hold one maybe for like six months from now uh, if a sponsor comes up that's kitchen-related. Yeah. Right? So look for, but the, the, the important thing was looking for the idea first and then seeing if you could piggyback an efficient production thing on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my workbench thing. I knew I wanted to do a workbench for a long time, but I'm, I'm positioning myself to like try and build things on the DIY budget or the DIY tool set. And the big problem that I had was, well, the base is going to be complicated. I'm going to have to have a table saw for that. And it was one of those things, like I didn't think about it for long, but somehow it got brought up. Maybe it was in conversation. I don't know. Cause somehow Chris, you did something really, really similar. The shoe bench thing. Yeah. Did you talk about it? And then maybe that sparked it. I talked about the joinery method. So maybe that's what yeah. it was. I just didn't, I mean, I thought it was an original idea at first, but then we I talked about it to Chris. When yeah. I had it. <laughs> exactly. And so that's one of those things where it's like, I realized that instead of getting a four by four and cutting dados into it, I could just get two two by fours and build the joints additively rather than subtract them, you know? And that immediately made it to where now you can build that entire thing without a table saw. And that just opened up a traditional two by four, like heavy duty workbench to some like an entire new audience that wasn't wasn't served. Nice. Yeah. Who's got another question? Works by solo? Yeah. Here, let's do it into the microphone. Right. Oh, into the microphone. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're gonna hold on to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, ben, you were you were getting into something. I, I'm a commercial art school graduate, and I learned how to work the creative process in a professional manner, go to work, right. come up with ideas for a client, because that's what I have to do, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about. And I think a lot of people that maybe haven't been exposed to that, how to fire up the creative process, 
because you're talking about very how to go about doing that. So that might be it. Maybe it's a topic for another day. But yeah. I, I've, I've actually shared that with some other people because that's my background in doing commercial art that I got to go to work and I got to come up with an idea. It's exactly what we would do. We would go get scraps and back in the old days, pin them up on the wall, cover, cover your wall yeah. with whatever it is that you're trying to get your mind going on and get your juices flowing. Yeah. And that, I think that, I mean, that's a huge topic, but I think it would help a lot of people to have them get a little insight into what the creative process 100%. is. I was kind of, sorry, just to piggyback on that, that was kind of my question too, since they're asking it separately, is like your backgrounds, architecture, painting, design, whatever, in addition to kind of, you know, like you said, putting a bunch of stuff on the walls, it seems like a lot of people now that are trying to get into it, they're like, I want to make stuff, so I'm going to look at what other people are making and just make that again, versus like finding, going through the process and finding you, inspiration from different sources. That's a great question, but first let's take a break. This episode is sponsored by Casper. Did you know that you're going to spend one third of your life sleeping? Well, you will. And that's why you should be comfortable while you are. And furthermore, that's why the experts at Casper Mattresses work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Head over to their website at www.casper.com modernmaker and check them out for yourself. You can opt for the original, the wave, or the essential, which offers a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. And no matter what you choose, it'll be delivered right to your door in a box so small you'll think it was made for a cat. And really, when you think about it, who knows more about sleeping than cats? But... It's not made for a cat. It's made for you. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Because if you're not completely satisfied, Casper offers hassle-free returns and free shipping both ways in the U.S. and Canada. eh? Terms and conditions apply. So again, head over to www.casper.com slash modernmaker and get $50 towards select mattresses using promo code modernmaker at checkout. Again, that's $50 off using promo code modernmaker. All right. Thanks, Casper. All right. So I think the idea of, of sourcing ideas and how, how do we incubate and then develop ideas is, is, is incredibly important. Uh, I think people often mistake when, when I say look at Pinterest, I don't mean look for a media cabinet and then make that media cabinet, right? I, I think that you it's really helpful to go one step beyond it. And I think this applies to all sorts of creative endeavors. Uh, if you're a stand-up comedian, it's helpful to have interesting life experiences that you can then talk to. You'll often hear, I mean, it's why so many stand-up comedians make jokes about airplanes and flying is because that's something that they do so often. You're, whatever your experiences are, that's where you're going to source your ideas. So. Uh, when I sort of look at, uh, let's say I want to design a media console, right? I might look at a whole bunch of media consoles on Pinterest just to see what I like and what I don't like. Right. I'm not looking for my project in any one media console. I'm looking to just understand what media consoles are out there. So when I design my project, I know where it fits within that realm of things. Uh, I then might say, huh, I like these five. I think they're all kind of cool. But they all kind of look the same. So how would mine just not be another one of those? Mm -hmm. And let's say they're all just like really nicely proportioned with cool little wooden legs. Some of them have metal legs. I might see something like, and this is a, a process that I recently gone through. I'm like, hmm, they all have wooden doors that slide. Its doors were all solid. So then I said, well, I'm going to differentiate on the doors. And I had three ideas of how to do that. And I've also been looking at a whole, I have a whole Pinterest board of just texture. 
right. folded paper texture. I'm like, ooh, this is origami. Could I get this texture that I like in folded paper onto wood? Mm-hmm. I could do it with the CNC. I'd have to learn the V-carve functionality on the X-carve, um, and I'd have to get different bits, but it's doable. Let me shelve that because it's a little bit too far away, and i got to learn some new software features. So doable, but not in the immediate future. Push that to the side, but right. I think it's a good idea to save that one for later. Next, I'm like, huh, what if it's uh, not wood? Right? Or I said, what if, it's, if I do it actually perforated, so it's not a 3D sculpted texture, but it's a perforated one. Sketch that out, thought the wood would be too thick, unless I could figure out to get you know, a quarter inch, or it, it would end up, you'd be seeing too much depth of the holes in the perforation, and you'd kind of lose the effect. Then I looked at perforated metal, like copper sheeting that they use for like the, to, those reproduction roofs and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, some good options, but didn't quite look right. It made it look too much like a speaker. Then I considered leather. I'm like, ooh, I could do some sort of roll-up leather door. Yeah. Then I looked at, kept looking at my texture board and I said, ah, I saw a macrame hanging, like a wall hanging fiber arts. If you search fiber arts on uh, Instagram or Pinterest, you'll see these cool sort of white woven tapestry kind of things. Boom. Tell Jamie, Jamie, you're figuring out how to macrame and you're going to make a basic wooden uh, a media console and then macrame in like a cover that has magnets woven into it so you can then lift it up and lock it and huh because this is perforated this would be great for putting the wi-fi station in or the, the anything that needs a signal to pass through it signal to pass through so that's that's very typical of how my process is going i'm not trying to source one thing i'm not looking for a recipe to then do my recipe in each ingredients i'm looking for parameters when it comes to the overall project and then ideas that might be off of a detail that I've never seen applied to those parameters before. Right. The, the way it's the way it sounds and the way yeah. I'm thinking about it, by applying those parameters, this may sound a little strange, but I've had projects where they design themselves. Yeah. If you apply those parameters, the design will appear. Totally. I, mean, I know it sounds kind of magical, but right Yeah, I like the way I like the way you just like referred to it as ingredients. Um so like you're talking about is a lot of console tables and especially dressers, anything where you've got flat drawer fronts that are uh, flush with the face frame. You see a lot of the textures carved into it, but I see it 99% of the time done on a dresser or a console or something like that. And so I saw that and it's like, great, I want to do that, but I also don't want to be incredibly derivative and just build a console that's doing that. And so you take that ingredient and so one thing I want to do is do a headboard because I've never seen someone do a headboard with that kind of carved texture on it and there's a million different textures you could carve on it and so it's just also having the mindset of like whenever you see something interesting you just put that one ingredient in your back pocket or in your in your in your spice rack and then when it comes to, when it comes time to do a bed you remember oh yeah texture and then that's now the takeaway uh, you have the shape, you have the form of the bed as a whole, you know the headboard's gonna be this shape, it's this size and all that, but you don't have that one takeaway thing that's the highlight of the piece. And now, because you've got this whole cabinet of in- interesting things, you just pull and think, oh, texture, that'll be really cool, or LEDs, eh, it's been done, Chris did it. And so, you find what hasn't been done, you find what technique hasn't been done in what application, and now automatically you're, you're original. Right, like a, a great place to start like an investigation might be texture, color, finish. If you can 
find a way to sort of develop a, a particular Talk skill. It doesn't have to be original, but it has to be a, you know okay. your own take on something or your own combination. I really like to do black and wood with this like slight hint of a purple stain. I don't know, right? Because I haven't seen what else doing it. I can kind of get this this weird Victorian looking texture, but slightly more rustic. You might sort of develop a something like that, like it's like a, almost like a flavor profile if you were a chef, something that's sort of you, and then you might test applying that on three-legged stool, yeah, headboard, and a few things, and then you might go through that process again. So it's hard to reinvent the wheel for any one project; it would take too long. But for me, it was like stacking plywood was like one of those not not a discovery, not an invention. A lot of people have done it. But it was like sort of a decision to investigate that then led to multiple projects. Mm. Uh, for particular ways of forming concrete have been that way for me. You investigate one, you refine it, I learned how to make the concrete lighter, add plywood to make a substrate to it, it makes it span a little bit longer, and now I've gotten like six or seven projects out of that. Um, so it's really like opening lines of inquiry or investigation, uh, and then trying to sort of take that key and see which lock it fits into in different project applications. I think on the topic of inspiration and creativity, we talk about it too much like it's magical. So like it's this thing that you're a person who gets inspired or you're a person who's creative and this other person is not. And I think that there are different like degrees that everybody has those things. But I think it's something that anybody can cultivate. And so I always think about creativity like a job. So, you know, if whatever your day job is, you don't wake up every day and being like, man, I really want to go do my day job. But you just get up and you go do it. And so creativity for me comes through labor most of the time. So I'm not working with as many different materials. So I don't have those epiphanies come to me. I'm sure they will as I work with more different or varied materials. But Say like I have a client who wants, I'm okay, here's a perfect example, client who wanted a record player and that's what became the record player console that I built. I'll just start drawing record player ideas. Like I will draw out, you know, 10 initial ideas and see which ones stand out to me. Okay, this one does. Some of them will be crap. Some of them will be good. And I'll just kind of lead myself down a path. So eventually I'll come out with something that's creative, but that could be the result of eight bad ideas and two good ideas and then one that the client liked or that I really wanted to run with, mm. whatever it is. But it's like through repetition and, and perspiration and just doing a bunch of work, I think that's where the creativity comes out, not just waiting for those moments, like an aha moment that I mean, maybe sometimes you you're lucky perfect. enough. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you're yeah. lucky and you have those moments where you stumble on something, but the bulk of it is like, just doing work and then yeah and that's what's good about when you have the idea set on it for a week or two because instead of doing that physically your mind's doing that it's automatically coming up it's like it's it's a good first layer it's a good first check of like good idea no next and then you you go on and then when you do come down to right things you at least have like three starting points instead of one yeah, I, I always think that in the Hemingway example, it's not that Hemingway was so creative that he like concepted all of these books. It was more that he went out and lived a hell of a life, right. and then took parts of that out, parts of the experiences out of context and put them into new context in a fictitious way. And I think that's the way. There's not. It's not that we have like a bunch of ideas rattling around in our head. We have the potential for those ideas. But the more experiences that we're uh, 
uh, sort of curating and exposing ourselves to with the intentionality of discovery, not yeah. just sort of, you know, walking around looking at the Look devices. actively, don't just, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's much different when you're flipping through a catalog with your board than when you're flipping through a catalog with the intent of where is something that I'm going to respond to in terms of texture or color? Where is something I'm going to respond to in terms of proportion or angles or craftsmanship? Yeah. Uh, you you manufacture your own ideas more than you just sort of like discover them popping up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of a two part question building on that. One is you mentioned Pinterest, Ben, as an example. But what are some of the ways you guys manage all these ideas? I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's just in your head, but there's a lot of things out there. So how do you keep them all straight and figure out ways you want to integrate things? And the other is when you're doing a project, if you have a lot of good ideas, is it you try to get a bunch of them into a project? Do you save them and, and make sure you use them later so you're not using them all on one thing? Or how do you? For, for me, is the minute I sort of have an idea, I try to do, I, I add it to this like, I'll probably take my sketchbook and sketch it about five or six times, try to, and, and really focus on proportion and stuff like that. My sketches take about 30 seconds each. Um, and then when I sort of got something I think up, oh, I kind of know the material I'm going to make it out of. I kind of have an idea what it's going to look like. And I have an idea how long it's going to take. Then I'll add it to this separate sketchbook, which has just a numerical list of all my project ideas. Mm-hmm. And it'll again be, I'll like have a little name for it. Um, and I'll be like, plywood table. And I'll have this little picture of like the, the profile of that, of like the plywood table. I made it up all the pieces, kind of the triangulation and stuff like that. Again, it's, it's a 30 second sketch. Yeah, so I keep... Exactly how I would draw if I was trying to get get you guys to guess my projects in Pictionary. Totally. And yeah, I think having a good curated Instagram feed is great because you're constantly like shown new things and you can put that in your back pocket. But like I always, I keep tons of notes on my phone. So this is actually the notes from whenever I was in California with Ben working on the the, uh, greenhouse. Mm -hmm. We were just up one night just like talking about project ideas, just riffing back and forth. And so I was just taking notes and... One of the things that got brought up, this was right around the time that Jimmy had put out that bark table, or the like, I don't know, like I'll call it the steel bark table, right? He replaced the, he took, he removed the bark from a slab for anybody listening. I know you guys here know what I'm talking about. Um, he took off the bark from a live edge slab and replaced it with steel. And it was a really cool thing. It was also right around the time that you had made, I think you hadn't even, had you made it yet? Or were you just talking to me about the idea of it? Like you had just discovered the bismuth mixed yeah, yeah. aluminum or metal. And so we were just going back and forth and we were just talking about different applications that that molten metal could be used on. And Jimmy's video was like a week old at that time. It was really just perfect timing. And it got brought up. It was like, well, what if instead of the outside of the table, it's the inside of the table? And so put that in the notes. And now that's what me and uh, Johnny Brooke are going to collaborate on next week. It's once you have that idea, get it down on paper because you don't know if it's going to last forever. And then if you have a sketchbook, sketchbooks are beautiful yeah because you can just catalog them and i like your idea having basically a two-layer sketchbook yeah i have, I have this because when i just have one i tend to like to buy really nice sketchbooks so it's like nice to have in your pocket do i have mm-hmm. a cup of coffee i sit near i got my mole skin yes. yeah <laughs> if only i had cool cool hipster guy glasses oh man if only like really yeah cool. <laughs> well, it's just the one asian guy doesn't need glasses out of the three of them. yeah i know <laughs> we're breaking down uh, stereotypes yeah. here but uh <laughs> So if I have a really nice sketchbook and it has like my, my list of projects in it, I'm like for some reason reluctant to do messy quick sketches in it. And that's why I have like disposable ones where I just never treating the paper like it's important. Just idea, idea, idea. Oh, this is more terrible. 
where I can iterate really, really fast with total disregard of paper. And then yeah. when I minute I get it to a point where I, yeah, I think I got something there, then I add it over to the clean one. Totally, yeah, that's the same place that the uh, still pit that I welded up came from. Yep. It was me and you riffing back and forth. I made a note of it and two months later I built it, but I just kind of kept ruminating on it. I, I literally, all I wrote was, it said, fire pit, colon, tapered square fire pit, removable grate for cleaning ash. Like it's enough to remind me, like, I, well, not quite. <laughs> it's enough to, rem it's enough to like spark, it, it's enough to jog the memory so that every time you go back in your notes, you see it and it reminds you, Huh, do I have any cool ideas for that? Like, is there any, you know what I mean? Because yeah. oftentimes you'll think of the idea, but then forget about it. And then if you can just have a way to spark it back, it'll come back. Yeah, for me, I think there's two different classes of ideas. So there, there's the aesthetic ideas. And for those, I do pretty much the same as what they do, only substitute sketchbook for SketchUp. So I'll just have a SketchUp file. And yeah. usually when it's like my first idea, I'll have a folder that'll say, you know, dining table ideas or whatever. And within that file, there'll usually be a first folder that's literally my initial idea, duplicated over some little changes, duplicate over little changes. And so it'll just be like a lineup of 15 SketchUp models. It's the evolution models. of an yeah, idea. Yeah, it basically is. Yeah. Just like these slight variations. on different layers? No, no. They're all just lined up. Like It's like a, like a you know, if you were... It's like literally a homo A mug like, shot. Yeah. 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 It's just a nice profile. Um, but yeah, so I'll do that. And then, so I guess that's kind of my cheap paper notebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once I kind of lock in, I'm like, okay, this is what I want. I'll usually start a new file where I'll have a better version. And then I'll actually create new files that are just different iterations of that idea until I hone in on what I like. Then for other things, like actually Mike and I were talking last night about this idea that I've just, it's just been kicking around in my head for like six months about using, um, like spray on buck uh, truck liner for a project. And like, I haven't really thought it out at all. All I know, I only got as deep as like, could it be used for this? So I just started talking about it with him because I know he's got some engineering background and basically crapped all over my idea. I no, just joking. Right. <laughs> no, when you brought the idea on the podcast about the, the vinyl wrapping. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. That's just like, you said that one thing and I like, my brain, like, it was like slot machine thing flying out, like, and like, I don't see the exact idea, but I'm like, oh, there's a million ideas right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm already waiting for you to do that because, like, the RV, I want white cabinet faces. I finally got the sample in the mail, like, the day before I left. So once I come home, I'm going to try it out. If it's good, then I'm going to order it all. So then I should have all that if it stays at this rate by, like, right. 2021. All right. Thinking. TBD. I should, <laughs> I should have that. So, like, something like that, I'm thinking, like, okay, so we know with that we get a really nice, consistent matte surface. And then I was thinking, like, what is something that never has that surface quality but has a really interesting texture? I'm like, ooh, is there like a corrugated metal that I could even put that over that mm. would suddenly make corrugated metal be cool enough for and touchable a even. Yeah. cabinet face right? Right. or a wardrobe? Because now it's not cold, it'd be this like wavy black thing. Or could I just take a piece of tin and just bang it all up so again it's all faceted Mm -hmm. And that and crumpled, but then apply this consistent, smooth thing over the top of it. It's right? also like a no slip finish, right? Um, I don't know how it would and be it's for vinyl, yeah. so it's good for babies. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's, it's, it's it. usually yeah. made for to go on <laughs> sure cars. So I would think that if it's for cars, it would probably be kind of slippy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it has to have bird shit. It has to go off of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, don't want, you don't want every, all the debris to stick that's onto the, it. That's the thing I don't like about map cars. It does so maybe it's great for an outdoor thing. Instead of painting something, 
vinyl wrap it because it's made to be outdoors. Yeah, yeah. I think it's super durable. I mean, it's made to yeah. be driven around and washed off and soap and wax and everything. Yeah, put that, on a, put that on a like dining table, like outdoor dining table. Dude, set. I just had a crazy idea. What about, listen, okay. What about a car wrapped Whoa. <laughs> wow. And then you could like print designs on it. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, Mike's towing or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> We've come full circle on this idea. Yeah. Ben's actually having a good idea. Look at him. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the next question? Or? That's the exposure thing. Like your different background. You know, he has a lot of architecture inspired stuff and countertops and things that you may not have everything to look at. And like, so that's... Right. So that's a sign making thing. And as you're looking mm-hmm. for vinyl, maybe you'll find 30 other cool sign making materials that you right. thought to use. Yeah, that's you a good point. Yourself to one. Yeah, you just like opened that door or kicked down yeah. that door into like different materials that you were not aware of. Traveling, I think, helps a lot. Like for me, getting out of your context, seeing things that are in other ways, and then bringing little bits of that back. Think about how uh, food has advanced, right? Like Tex Mex, for example. That's that's born of cultural exchanges back and forth. Design can happen the same way, and we can be agents of sort of new hybrid sort of forms of things simply by sort of taking. And it, it might not be from a place to place. It might be bringing a metalworking technique into woodworking, a woodworking technique into metalworking. Mm. I'm using metal grinding flat discs for carving out the wood, so it looks different than when if you use the the turbo plane, right? All these sort of cross fertilizations, they don't always work because they're not always intended to, because uh, things are designed for a specific reason. But that's often you have to do that kind of messy discovery to find some some really cool uh, ideas. Yeah, that makes me think of the way Jimmy. He was the first person I saw doing it. The way he basically make like lap joints for welding like steel angle together. I think that's a really creative thing to do, and I think that's because he's got a uh, well, he's got an everything background, but he's got that woodworking <laughs> background where he thinks of. Like the unicorn, right? I know, I know, I know. But he he has that experience to where now when he's working with metal, he's got a woodworking wealth of knowledge that he can pull from and take inspiration from too. So, any other questions? Yes. A business question. Okay. Totally. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, Caleb from uh, you can make this too, and t- being here, we we've sort of been hinting at brand identity a lot throughout the conference, especially when dealing with sponsors. Sort of the vision, mission, and goal of your brand or channel. Now, I was just curious about your each of your personal phases and thoughts on when and how that develops either did you start with like a target audience what you wanted to give to your audience who you were pursuing i was derivative or i was pretty derivative of ben um i took a lot of cues from him and what succeeded for him so i feel like you should take that i've got a lot of ideas about dealing with sponsors and why don't we deal with one now just joking we're not going to take another (laughs) 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 it's just too perfect of a segue I started, if I was to start again now, I probably wouldn't call my channel and brand it the same way. Um, my thinking at the time, this, this was you know five, five or six years ago, is I was looking at, at the time, design blogs were really dominant. Uh, yep. This was before Pinterest. Blogs like Remodelista, Apartment Therapy, these things were growing really fast. At the time I think I started, I was looking at how apartment therapy went from a small block to 20 million uh, uh, visitors a month or 20 million pages, I can't remember which one it was, yeah. but just massive traffic really fast. And all the design blogs had in common was they were kind of like light, bright, you know, flowy, little mix of clean, like a lot Pretty of, sort of white rooms with a little bit of shabby chic and one modern piece and just 
just beautifully uh, staged rooms that made you feel like that would be just an incredibly pleasant place to, to read a book and have a macaroon or something. <laughs> uh, so in creating the brand, I thought that that was the sort of audience. So my first logos and stuff were like a combination of sort of like a, a modern font and a script. And I was thinking, okay, you know, this is, this makes sense for a brand that could eventually have a product that's sold in Target. Um, I wasn't thinking about YouTube and video as much. I was thinking of an overall content brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew that video was gonna be the most important part of it, but I was still thinking of brand as a, uh, as like a graphic set more than I was, uh, I was making a mistake that I've often warned people not to make that your, your logo and your brand are two totally different things. Yeah. Uh, if I was to do it again, I would know that my, uh, my brand would be the, the the average of my tendencies design-wise over time, right? Which would be a mix of sort of quirky and practical things like the weird sort of workout equipment or the, the grow lights integrated into things mixed with digital fabrication, mixed with some really functional, basic, clean DIY projects. So. The, that's actually the, you know, something that would be the approximation of that would actually be more my brand. Uh, so now it's funny, like when I'm doing the like the store, I was like, oh, the video. I'm like, this isn't a home. It's modern. It's homemade, but it's starting to be, you know, where it's not the the greatest. Ultimately, it doesn't matter really. Um, your 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 brand really is your performance. It's not what you say it say it is. Um, and uh, I think people spend too much time worrying about it. Whatever you create, it, it's going to change. It's going to be wrong. And if it gets to be a problem, you can change it again, and it's not that big of a deal. Um, so don't let that slow you down. You don't have people wait until they find the perfect thing. The safest thing is always just doing it as your name. And then you can say, oh, sometimes I'm more of a maker. In the future, I might be more of a designer. But you can always change, you know, Joe Schmo maker, Joe Schmo designer. You know, sometimes I wonder for Four, four Eyes Furniture if I have one of the shittiest or one of the best brand. <laughs> like, it's really hard to tell because it's just like so not really. It doesn't. Both of theirs say something about who, they're, who they are. Mine really doesn't. And so I don't know if that hurts or helps me. But um, actually, a question that your question made me have another question for you guys. So who here has a channel that they've started already? It's about half. Okay. A little over. And then are you guys already thinking about like working with sponsors and making money? Or at what point did you start doing that, would you say? You can start with you and just kind of... I would say I was probably about four months in mm -hmm. and absurdly small when I first started just working for uh, getting some product just to outfit the shop and move from there. Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm pushing on 10,000 subs and starting to look at, you know, paid sponsorships. Totally, yeah. More yeah. prolonged kind of things. That's a good place to start. Anybody else? I, I think I've taken a little different approach to sponsorship. I've, I've talked to Chris and, and sort of used Chris as a little bit of a confidant, but I, I've kind of taken, if you've ever watched like the Facebook movie, because you can learn everything in the movies, right? But like, like social network? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just follow that and you'll make, you know, you'll, you'll be the next Facebook. But, Wait a minute, are you the industrial maker? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Yes. I, am, I am the, 
beam industrial maker. Who's <laughs> the uh, it's clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, uh, and, no, and you pronounced my name right for the first time. Mo-industrial. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just kind of taken the thing of, I've had some people approach me with sponsorships, but it hasn't felt right, and I've just said no because I, I don't want it to hurt my, my growth. Yeah, that's you were telling right. me about an experience with a tool brain, right? Oh, yeah, that's it. Don't take free tools in general, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. yeah, never take tools from bloop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to call them out on that. <laughs> exactly. All right, but where's all this leading, Chris? I don't know. I just wanted to. Yeah, no, just. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's uh, kind of what drove my question. So was I'm in a position to sort of torn between at this point how much to force and reach out and try right. to get versus just focusing on the channel and trying to grow a stronger brand and following, and get more engagement, and then reach out or, or wait till they come and and then knowing who my brand is to be able, if I go to a sponsor, say, this is who I am, this is what I offer, as opposed to, oh, you know, I've made some videos, and yeah. some of them do good, and I like it, so pay me, please, like. Yeah. I, was wondering, you, I, I haven't even picked a name yet, so I wonder if you guys agree with Ben on using just your name and maybe, like, maker or designs or something afterwards, or do you guys have a different take on that? Um, okay, here. Let me... Answer this in kind of the same way that I was going to answer the main thing, and then we can come cool. back to it. Cool. Yeah, if I can add to it, cool. Okay. So, the reason that I asked that is because I think that a lot of what's going on in the space right now is a little bit putting the cart before the horse in a lot of ways. We're like, there's a lot now out there about like how to make money and how to monetize this, and that's obviously all what it's all leading to. But sometimes I think people think about it too early. So me personally, like I didn't think about making money doing this at all in the beginning. I was just like, I knew I eventually wanted to, but I kind of thought, you know what, whatever energy I put into it at this point, because I have no clout and I'm nobody and nobody's heard of me is going to be wasted energy. So all I'm going to do is focus on making the coolest stuff that I know how to make. I'm just going to make the best video that I can make. And if I do that, like, yeah, I'm probably going to be foregoing some other things, but ultimately that's what's going to serve me best in the long run. So I don't like it when I hear things where I feel like it's making people put energy into those things that aren't going to be the most beneficial to them. And when you're starting out, 99% of your energy should just be What's a cool video? Right. What can I do best? Same as like Little League Baseball. If you started off in like eighth grade playing baseball and you're already trying to think of how to be pro, like one, you're going to diminish your enjoyment because everything's going to be against this really hard goal. I meant it when I said in the beginning that everyone starts or, or should yeah. start from the love of the game. If, if it then you sort of see the path to where it can, one, even if it just turns into a side hustle, I, I, I tell people all, like, I consistently encourage people to keep their day job. I'm not most people like, oh, go for it, man. It's going to be awesome. No. Right. Uh, so I'm still working. Know. They can't. Because anytime, even if, 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 if you have a hobby that makes you $500 a month, that's an awesome hobby. Yeah, it's and a hobby that's paying right? for itself. Yeah. It's a fantastic hobby. That's a, a hobby everyone, you know, should be so be lucky, lucky to have. To yeah. Have. Because what you're doing is you're finding something you're going to be getting better at it if you're doing it consistently, and you're making a little bit of money on it. It's, it's, at the end of the year, it added to five thousand dollars or something like that. It's an awesome vacation, and you earned it doing just. And you'll be really focusing on just the parts that you like. Mm -hmm. The minute you try to go full time, you have to compensate for all that income that you're losing from your day job. Yep. 
And it means you're going to be doing the thing that you love, but putting so much pressure on it to, to do something it might not be ready to do, which might make you actually hate it. Yeah, and sponsors aren't what legitimize you, right? I think that's a lot of things is people are like, okay, I'm going to start getting sponsors and it's going to be like, everyone knows I'm doing this seriously. But it's, I didn't take a sponsor until about 80,000 subscribers. What about you guys? Yeah, I was about 60 probably. Okay. Well, like 10 to 30. Okay, cool. And... But wasn't it? It wasn't like, and that's what I was about to say. And the first, yeah, I had a really shitty one. And the first, yeah, exactly. My first few deals, it was like, why the hell did I even take them? It was, it was way more headache than it's worth. The only place that I see value if it's taking a sponsor early on is if it's a product you're going to be using already. Something you want. Don't worry about getting paid because you're not going to be getting paid enough for them to need approval, for them to give feedback, and for you to fit your your project into their mold. If, if you want to reach out to a company and if they want to supply product, that's great. That's a great way to build a relationship and become introduced by somebody, show them your value. And then when you get big enough, let them come to you and, and uh, now you have all the negotiating power as well because they're interested in you instead of you trying to sell them. One other point I just want to make to go back to your question about a name is so I don't want you to think that I'm saying like, oh, don't even think about that because we all did the same thing. I came up with 30 different names before I landed on Four Eyes Furniture. Mm-hmm. And now looking back at it, I think how important was that really? So just if you can have the ability to step outside yourself when you when you find yourself focusing on those things that shouldn't be your priority right now, remind yourself that making cool things is A1, the most important thing that you can do. So yeah. just finding the unique, the unique person that you can be. And if your name is whatever, if it's Forrest Furniture or if it's Chris Salamone Furniture, like, I don't think that that would really make a difference into the success that you're going to have. And then, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, my thing is when I make stuff for people or like, you know, just to sell and I give it mm-hmm. to them, well, what, what oh. are you called so I can tell my friends mm-hmm. is the thing. So that's why I was curious. Yeah. Well, the only thing I would say, my big, my big thing is you can talk about like making a name for like making it better for search results and all that kind of things. Um, and I think we've talked yeah. about that probably three or four times on the yeah. podcast. Um, what I would say is just don't let, don't pigeonhole yourself with your name. You know what I mean? What's your last name? Daughtry. Okay, okay so do like, not use that. Do not. <laughs> <laughs> so first, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so the correct answer to you is Nickelback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, if you're like doing everything out of wood, right? There's an inclination to say like Daughtry Woodworks. Yeah. But now you're stuck woodworking, right? And I see that a lot. I've talked to a few people this week and they're like, oh man, I started my channel and I was like, woodworking by this guy. Or I'm, um, you know, and just don't, the name is arbitrary, yes, but it also can have an effect where it almost pigeonholes yourself. If not actually, but just, you know, mentally. But to go even back to your point, like, so if it's more for client referrals, I think just having anything is going to serve you in that case because it just has something for somebody to, yeah. to say it's this person and then there's a place they can go and search you. Yeah. I always knew I was going to be building modern skewed things. That's just my thing. So I was happy with modern and it's a good search term and builds. Cool. I built it out of metal. I built it out of wood. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I just built it. So yeah. that was a big thing for me. Oh, I'm just stepping back into those questions about sponsors. Totally. It's, it's more for you guys. I have no sponsorships right now. I've yeah. got 12 videos up and I've, I've passionately put them together. It's taken me forever. <laughs> I'm taking any advice that I hear 
Uh, I lost my voice because I talked too much last night. Um, that uh, when I hear the uh, advice on consistency, mm-hmm. from now when I hear that word consistency, it's going to be consistent quality. Not yes. Consistent yes. Wow, yeah, that's a great takeaway. So uh, what I was going to ask, the, um, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, the question about sponsors, like I said, it's not for me, it's for guys at your level. Okay. That an idea came up in um, a, a, a talk this this, uh, this morning earlier that I brought up a question that um, we tend to look at this uh, content as evergreen yeah and the sponsors are looking at it as evergreen and I have a background in advertising and when normal advertising back in the day of old type advertising there were media buys mm-hmm. yeah. media buys have a time limit now. Mm-hmm. now as far as future proofing do you guys have any thing have you ever even thought about deals with sponsors that have a time ticking and then they can add time to that for more money uh first of all most of the sponsors don't that, that i work with i think you guys will agree yeah they never. don't think of them as evergreen yeah they yeah. Don't. they should yeah because the one they a lot of sponsors they, care about how it does the first views month. in the first because yeah, that's exactly. what they're taking to their boss is you know at, at the end of the they, month they're taking their wrap up of how their things performed one of them said there is a time on it and i'm going to take the video down after one year and they tell you to Go away immediately. So yeah, I will say also, that it happened with be... me once, oh, and I honestly I do regret doing it, and I'll just say that the, they, they do it with licensing content. Yeah, the 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 scooter video that I made, um, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that I really wish they would have let me integrate the product into a piece of furniture rather than do this scooter mm-hmm. kit that they had designed. I'm oh, just I'm gonna down? be open and honest here. Do what? You took it down? No, 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 no. no. Okay. But it has. To, I negotiated that it'll be up for a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody go watch it right now. Make sure you download it so that you can shame him with it for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so because for one, turnover at in the marketing departments of a lot of these brands is relatively high. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I've seen a lot of people come and go at the with the, the companies I've worked with. And campaigns are normally might be by the quarter or by the year and they have different goals. And it's that they're just churning and burning and saying, did we meet our numbers? Did we spend this to do that? Uh, it's the, the the companies that look a little bit more, and also a lot of companies' products aren't evergreen. And yeah. even if they are, they don't have someone. Or their deals. They're not maybe. paying someone to track it. Yeah. Now, I use that as a way to renew deals. So every time I pitch. So the, the thing with monetization is if things aren't always everything good. What you're describing is like, hey, that's a good benefit. How do you monetize it? That's absolutely the right way to think about it. My experience is that it's definitely valuable. You can definitely monetize it, but not directly in terms of like revenue. Because again, they you, if you make the math harder for the marketing person to calculate ROI at the end of the year, and mm-hmm. look back and wait, did this come after this or before this? Then you're adding math work, and then they're going to tell you to go after yourself because nobody wants to do more math, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it goes back to my thing that I was talking about earlier, where I was saying you have to make people's jobs easier. So what I always do is I use that as a way to renew. So every year when I talk to Quick Group, uh, which I've worked with for for multiple years now, I don't just give them the numbers for, for what the videos, so that they say, okay, let's do about seven or eight projects a year. Come up with the ideas. They approve them, we produce them, end of the year I send them a report right before we renew the deal. Here's how many views we got. And I always go, oh, by the way, the previous videos that we did from the year before, they did this many views. And the yeah. videos from the year before that, they did this one. 
So what that does is it makes my sales cycle a little bit easier each time. It makes me safer and safer and safer. Um, so you definitely use it to demonstrate value. It's definitely a tool and your thing. It's hard to put a specific dollar on it because that's most of the time their budgets are year to year and the reporting, they don't want to have to redo 2000s. That means they might have to go back and if they're going to get credit for it, do 2016 budget against uh, video views for 2016's budget that came in 2017. Which is more math. Which is no one wants. Exactly. Uh, or it's even just things that are going to be budgeted for that you can't forecast. Yeah, exactly. So we got time for one more question. We're coming up on the hour. So does anybody have one that they're interested in? A burning question. All right. I've got one that's going to change topics, not YouTube. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Bad ideas. I know you guys talk about bad ideas in the, the podcast uh-huh. before. I shouldn't have told you my idea last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I still want to see it. But, uh, yeah, so I, my question is, is what idea, like, if you have, like, a bad idea that you were really excited about first, because I have this lot where everything that's different. I so you don't know it's bad it. when you're excited about it. Right. You're just okay. like, oh, this is different. No one's done this. And okay. then yeah. you realize before you get to the point of making it that, like, wait, that excitement, no one's done this because it's, it's different, it's, but it's not good. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. where do you like? What are those ideas, and how do you like make that? I call? I've done it a lot of times. Uh, like I think probably the, sec- the second or third project I did is really dumb. I like wrapped yarn around dowels and like stuck them into something <laughs> else. It was just stupid. You're finding your style. Yeah, it, was, it was my modern second table. His second video was. You do okay. His second video was. And now we're just waiting. For it. it was way worse. It was way worse than that. Yeah, uh, it was because it was like excessive. Okay. It took a lot of time. At the time, my free to reverse engineer the logic. I was thinking like, there's a, it was a part of the large logic was sound. Is that it'd be interesting? Not a lot of people are doing color in like entry level DIY woodworking projects. Uh, it'd be interesting to do apply color in a way that wasn't paint and wrapping yarn, applying a little bit of glue, and then upholstering uh, dowels by sort of wrapping uh, yarn around it would make these sort of like fabric covered uh, cylinders that could be then be used for a seat of like a bench. It was, it was an interesting way to apply color. It was not appropriate for seating. It works fine, it works as a bench, it just, just no one cared, right? <laughs> it, was, it was too much of a reach. Yeah. It was too separate. The idea was too much just of itself. Um, it wasn't fully integrated back into like a, a full-fledged integrated design. Also, the proportions of how I made the bench came out a lot clumsier than they should have. If I would have made the bench lighter and had that color looking at sort of like a floating cloud, it might have been able to pull it off. But at that point, I'd spent so much time wrapping dowels, it's like, stupid. <laughs> yeah. And you never know when like a video that kind of flops initially, it could get legs later on. And I mean, listen, the modern uh, picnic table, Probably because we rag on it so much, it got a second win, and like now it's like a very yeah, it's like a every it's like a very average video. You know what I mean? But you never know when something it gets legs. You know, so literally, you can't always judge the performance of the video on the reflection on how good the idea is. Maybe the idea just wasn't integrated into the right project either. You know, the application at least. So cool. Should we take it home? Yeah, let's do it. Live podcast. Wow. Oh, what are you guys currently obsessed with? I oh my god. Okay, go for it. Atlanta. I don't know. Atlanta. <laughs> Mine is 
Bollinger Motors. Look. Oh, you showed me this. Is earlier. it a motorcycle thing? So no, I'm not better. a car person. Like I, I, I don't get really that excited about any car or truck or anything like that. Like for me, it's like my best car is like an Uber. I don't have to drive. I can sit in the back and, and get work done and can be wasted. Um, but if you go to Bollinger Motors, it's B O L L I N G E R Motors. Somebody pull up. I want to see this. They made the coolest SUV. It's an electric kind of. It looks like a Land Rover, but it's handmade. Um, it's all electric, so you can power all your tools with it. You can like you could weld out of the back of it, just plug right into it. And also because the yep. No, yeah, right. because the yeah, it's like a G the 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 drive train and power systems are all in the floor of the car because it's all electric. You could even put like whole two by fours through the front or through the back. Um, so yeah. it completely opens all the way up. Um, real flat bottom, so you can so you can put a whole. It's not that long, but you can put a whole sheet of plywood in it. Yeah, if it's a four by eight sheet of plywood, pretty easy. So yeah, that's so. that's the that's the criteria. As long as it can do that, it's useful to us, right? If I if I hit my goals in 2018, I'm looking at that for 2019. Nice. I'm Did you keep, already look at the price? Yeah. What is it? Like about eighty. Oh. Yeah, Must Chris. Be nice. Or actually, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it car themed. I, I don't have. No, I'm gonna keep it car. I'm gonna keep it vehicle <laughs> themed. I got a vintage BMW R100 waiting you for me in it. LA. Waiting for me in LA for whenever we go down to do the tiny house project. Oh boy! So, cafe racer. Getting it. Zooming. I'm gonna get a Honda Grom. You know what those things are? I'm not really. I have a feeling it's really ugly. <laughs> no, no, they're actually cool. They're like these little tiny mo- oh, okay. motorcycles. Yeah. He's um, like, imagine a Ford Pinto, but just but even boxier. No. <laughs> I like Honda Ridgelines. All right, all right. Maybe I'll get one of those. I don't know. I probably do need a new truck. My truck has two hundred thousand miles on it. But then I was thinking, like, oh, I should just trade it in and get it. I have a Tacoma. Maybe I'll just get a Tacoma that's only got, you know, like 80,000 miles on it. But I'm worried I'll get that and then, like, it'll start falling apart. It's like, ah, I should have kept my 200,000 mile one. Exactly, yeah. So, no new cars for me, man. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for people coming to this live in person. If you're not already, rate the review. Ask us questions on Instagram, on our on our uh, Gmail, ModernMakerPodcast doc, or ModernMakerPodcast at gmail.com. Yep. We're at Modern Bills, at Four Hours Furniture, and at Benjamin Homemade Ma- or Benjamin Ueda. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Yeah, that's the high energy. Yeah, that's the high energy. Cool. Awesome, guys. This that was fun. Great. Yeah, thanks for letting us do that, too. That's cool.